Part two, chapter two of Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part two, chapter two. And what if there has been a search already? What if I find them in my room? But here was his room, nothing and no one in it. No one had peeped in. Even Nastasya had not touched it. But heavens! how could he have left all those things in the hole he rushed to the corner slipped his hand under the paper pulled the things out and filled his pockets with them there were eight articles in all two little boxes with earrings or something of the sort he hardly looked to see and four small leather cases there was a chain too merely wrapped in newspaper and something else in newspaper that looked like a decoration he put them all in the different pockets of his overcoat and the remaining pocket of his trousers trying to conceal them as much as possible he took the purse too then he went out of his room leaving the door open he walked quickly and resolutely and though he felt shattered he had his senses about him he was afraid of pursuit he was afraid that in another half hour another quarter of an hour perhaps instructions would be issued for his pursuit and so at all costs he must hide all traces before then he must clear everything up while he still had some strength some reasoning power left him where was he to go that had long been settled fling them into the canal and all traces hidden in the water the thing would be at an end so he had decided in the night of his delirium when several times he had had the impulse to get up and go away to make haste and get rid of it all but to get rid of it turned out to be a very difficult task he wandered along the bank of the ekaterininsky canal for half an hour or more and looked several times at the steps running down to the water but he could not think of carrying out his plan either rafts stood at the steps edge and women were washing clothes on them or boats were moored there and people were swarming everywhere moreover he could be seen and noticed from the banks on all sides it would look suspicious for a man to go down on purpose stop and throw something into the water and what if the boxes were to float instead of sinking and of course they would even as it was every one he met seemed to stare and look round as if they had nothing to do but to watch him why is it or can it be my fancy he thought at last the thought struck him that it might be better to go to the neva there were not so many people there he would be less observed and it would be more convenient in every way above all it was further off he wondered how he could have been wandering for a good half hour worried and anxious in this dangerous past without thinking of it before in that half hour he had lost over an irrational plan simply because he had thought of it in delirium he had become extremely absent and forgetful and he was aware of it he certainly must make haste he walked towards the neva along v prospect but on the way another idea struck him why to the neva would it not be better to go somewhere far off to the islands again and there hide the things in some solitary place in a wood or under a bush and mark the spot perhaps and though he felt incapable of clear judgment the idea seemed to him a sound one but he was not destined to go there for coming out of v prospect towards the square he saw on the left a passage leading between two blank walls to a courtyard on the right hand the blank unwhitewashed wall of a four-storied house stretched far into the court on the left a wooden hoarding ran parallel with it for twenty paces into the court and then turned sharply to the left here was a deserted fenced-off place where rubbish of different sorts was lying at the end of the court the corner of a low smutty stone shed 
apparently part of some workshop peeped from behind the hoarding it was probably a carriage builder's or carpenter's shed the whole place from the entrance was black with coal dust here would be the place to throw it he thought not seeing anyone in the yard he slipped in and at once saw near the gate a sink such as is often put in yards where there are many workmen or cab drivers and on the hoarding above had been scribbled in chalk the time-honoured witticism standing here strictly forbidden this was all the better for there would be nothing suspicious about his going in here i could throw it all in a heap and get away looking round once more with his hand already in his pocket he noticed against the outer wall between the entrance and the sink a big unhewn stone weighing perhaps sixty pounds the other side of the wall was a street he could hear passers-by always numerous in that part but he could not be seen from the entrance unless someone came in from the street which might well happen indeed so there was need of haste he bent down over the stone seized the top of it firmly in both hands and using all his strength turned it over under the stone was a small hollow in the ground and he immediately emptied his pocket into it the purse lay at the top and yet the hollow was not filled up then he seized the stone again and with one twist turned it back so that it was in the same position again though it stood a very little higher but he scraped the earth about it and pressed it at the edges with his foot nothing could be noticed then he went out and turned into the square again an intense almost unbearable joy overwhelmed him for an instant as it had in the police office i have buried my tracks and who who can think of looking under that stone it has been lying there most likely ever since the house was built and will lie as many years more and if it were found who would think of me it is all over no clue and he laughed yes he remembered that he began laughing a thin nervous noiseless laugh and went on laughing all the time he was crossing the square but when he reached the k boulevard where two days before he had come upon that girl his laughter suddenly ceased other ideas crept into his mind he felt all at once that it would be loathsome to pass that seat on which after the girl was gone he had sat and pondered and that it would be hateful too to meet that whiskered policeman to whom he had given the twenty kopecks damn him he walked looking about him angrily and distractedly all his ideas now seemed to be circling round some single point and he felt that there really was such a point and that now now he was left facing that point and for the first time indeed during the last two months damn it all he thought suddenly in a fit of ungovernable fury if it has begun then it has begun hang the new life good lord how stupid it is in what lies i told to-day how despicably i fawned upon that wretched ilya petrovitch but that is all folly what do i care for them all and my fawning upon them it is not that at all it is not that at all suddenly he stopped a new utterly unexpected and exceedingly simple question perplexed and bitterly confounded him if it all has really been done deliberately and not idiotically if i really had a certain and definite object how is it i did not even glance into the purse and don't know what i had there for which i have undergone these agonies and have deliberately undertaken this base filthy degrading business and here i wanted at once to throw into the water the purse together with all the things which i had not seen either how's that yes that was so that was all so yet he had known it all before and it was not a new question for him 
even when it was decided in the night without hesitation and consideration as though so it must be as though it could not possibly be otherwise yes he had known it all and understood it all it surely had all been settled even yesterday at the moment when he was bending over the box and pulling the jewel cases out of it yes so it was it is because i am very ill he decided grimly at last i have been worrying and fretting myself and i don't know what i am doing yesterday and the day before yesterday and all this time i have been worrying myself i shall get well and i shall not worry but what if i don't get well at all good god how sick i am of it all he walked on without resting he had a terrible longing for some distraction but he did not know what to do what to attempt a new overwhelming sensation was gaining more and more mastery over him every moment this was an immeasurable almost physical repulsion for everything surrounding him an obstinate malignant feeling of hatred all who met him were loathsome to him he loathed their faces their movements their gestures if anyone had addressed him he felt that he might have spat at him or bitten him he stopped suddenly on coming out on the bank of the little neva near the bridge to vasilievsky ostrov why he lives here in that house he thought why i have not come to razumihin of my own accord here it's the same thing over again very interesting to know though have i come on purpose or have i simply walked here by chance never mind i said the day before yesterday that i would go and see him the day after well and so i will besides i really cannot go further now he went up to razumihin's room on the fifth floor the latter was at home in his garret busily writing at the moment and he opened the door himself it was four months since they had seen each other razumihin was sitting in a ragged dressing-gown with slippers on his bare feet unkempt unshaven and unwashed his face showed surprise is it you he cried he looked his comrade up and down then after a brief pause he whistled as hard up as all that why brother you've cut me out he added looking at raskolnikov's rags come sit down you are tired i'll be bound and when he had sunk down on the american leather sofa which was in even worse condition than his own razumihin saw at once that his visitor was ill why you are seriously ill do you know that he began feeling his pulse raskolnikov pulled away his hand never mind he said i have come for this i have no lessons i wanted but i don't really want lessons but i say you are delirious you know razumihin observed watching him carefully no i am not raskolnikov got up from the sofa as he had mounted the stairs to razumihin's he had not realized that he would be meeting his friend face to face now in a flash he knew that what he was least of all disposed for at that moment was to be face to face with anyone in the wide world his spleen rose within him he almost choked with rage at himself as soon as he crossed razumihin's threshold good-bye he said abruptly and walked to the door stop stop you queer fish i don't want to said the other again pulling away his hand then why the devil have you come are you mad or what why this is almost insulting i won't let you go like that well then i came to you because i know no one but you who could help to begin because you are kinder than any one cleverer i mean and can judge and now i see that i want nothing do you hear nothing at all no one's services no one's sympathy i am by myself alone come that's enough leave me alone stay a minute you sweep you are a perfect madman as you like for all i care i have no lessons do you see and i don't care about that 
but there's a bookseller heruvimov and he takes the place of a lesson i would not engage him for five lessons he's doing publishing of a kind and issuing natural science manuals and what a circulation they have the very titles are worth the money you always maintained that i was a fool but by jove my boy there are greater fools than i am now he is setting up for being advanced not that he has an inkling of anything but of course i encourage him here are two signatures of the german text in my opinion the crudest charlatanism it discusses the question is woman a human being and of course triumphantly proves that she is heruvimov is going to bring out this work as a contribution to the woman question i am translating it he will expand these two and a half signatures into six we shall make up a gorgeous title half a page long and bring it out at half a rouble it will do he pays me six roubles a signature it works out to about fifteen roubles for the job and i've had six already in advance when we've finished this we're going to begin a translation about whales and then some of the dullest scandals out of the second part of le confessions we have marked for translation someone has told heruvimov that rousseau was a kind of radishoff you may be sure i don't contradict him hang him well would you like to do the second signature of is woman a human being if you would take the german and pens and paper all those are provided and take three roubles for as i have had six roubles in advance on the whole thing three roubles come to you for your share and when you have finished the signature there will be another three roubles for you and please don't think i am doing you a service quite the contrary as soon as you came in i saw how you could help me to begin with i am weak in spelling and secondly i am sometimes utterly adrift in german so that i make it up as i go along for the most part the only comfort is that it's bound to be a change for the better though who can tell maybe it's sometimes for the worse will you take it raskolnikov took the german sheets in silence took the three roubles and without a word went out razumihin gazed after him in astonishment but when raskolnikov was in the next street he turned back mounted the stairs to razumihin's again and laying on the table the german article and the three roubles went out again still without uttering a word are you raving or what razumihin shouted roused to fury at last what farce is this you'll drive me crazy too what did you come to see me for damn you i don't want translation muttered raskolnikov from the stairs then what the devil do you want shouted razumihin from above raskolnikov continued descending the staircase in silence hey there where are you living no answer well confound you then for raskolnikov was already stepping into the street on the nikolaevsky bridge he was roused to full consciousness again by an unpleasant incident a coachman after shouting at him two or three times gave him a violent lash on the back with his whip for having almost fallen under his horse's hoofs the lash so infuriated him that he dashed away to the railing for some unknown reason he had been walking in the very middle of the bridge in the traffic he angrily clenched and ground his teeth he heard laughter of course serve him right a pickpocket i dare say pretending to be drunk for sure and getting under the wheels on purpose and you have to answer for him it's a regular profession that's what it is but while he stood at the railing still looking angry and bewildered after the retreating carriage and rubbing his back he suddenly felt someone thrust money into his hand he looked it was an elderly woman in a kerchief and goatskin shoes with a girl probably her daughter wearing a hat and carrying a green parasol take it my good man in christ's name he took it and they passed on it was a piece of twenty kopecks 
from his dress and appearance they might well have taken him for a beggar asking alms in the streets and the gift of the twenty kopecks he doubtless owed to the blow which made them feel sorry for him he closed his hand on the twenty kopecks walked on for ten paces and turned facing the neva looking towards the palace the sky was without a cloud and the water was almost bright blue which is so rare in the neva the cupola of the cathedral which is seen at its best from the bridge about twenty paces from the chapel glittered in the sunlight and in the pure air every ornament on it could be clearly distinguished the pain from the lash went off and raskolnikov forgot about it one uneasy and not quite definite idea occupied him now completely he stood still and gazed long and intently into the distance this spot was especially familiar to him when he was attending the university he had hundreds of times generally on his way home stood still on this spot gazed at this truly magnificent spectacle and almost always marvelled at a vague and mysterious emotion it roused in him it left him strangely cold this gorgeous picture was for him blank and lifeless he wondered every time at his sombre and enigmatic impression and mistrusting himself put off finding the explanation of it he vividly recalled those old doubts and perplexities and it seemed to him that it was no mere chance that he recalled them now it struck him as strange and grotesque that he should have stopped at the same spot as before as though he actually imagined he could think the same thoughts be interested in the same theories and pictures that had interested him so short a time ago he felt it almost amusing and yet it wrung his heart deep down hidden far away out of sight all that seemed to him now all his old past his old thoughts his old problems and theories his old impressions and that picture and himself and all all he felt as though he were flying upwards and everything were vanishing from his sight making an unconscious movement with his hand he suddenly became aware of the piece of money in his fist he opened his hand stared at the coin and with a sweep of his arm flung it into the water then he turned and went home it seemed to him he had cut himself off from everyone and from everything at that moment evening was coming on when he reached home so that he must have been walking about six hours how and where he came back he did not remember undressing and quivering like an overdriven horse he lay down on the sofa drew his greatcoat over him and at once sank into oblivion it was dusk when he was waked up by a fearful scream good god what a scream such unnatural sounds such howling wailing grinding tears blows and curses he had never heard he could never have imagined such brutality such frenzy in terror he sat up in bed almost swooning with agony but the fighting wailing and cursing grew louder and louder and then to his intense amazement he caught the voice of his landlady she was howling shrieking and wailing rapidly hurriedly incoherently so that he could not make out what she was talking about she was beseeching no doubt not to be beaten for she was being mercilessly beaten on the stairs the voice of her assailant was so horrible from spite and rage that it was almost a croak but he too was saying something and just as quickly and indistinctly hurrying and spluttering all at once raskolnikov trembled he recognized the voice it was the voice of ilya petrovitch ilya petrovitch here and beating the landlady he is kicking her banging her head against the steps that's clear that can be told from the sounds from the cries and the thuds how is it is the world topsy-turvy he could hear people running in crowds from all the stories and all the staircases 
he heard voices exclamations knocking doors banging but why why and how could it be he repeated thinking seriously that he had gone mad but no he heard too distinctly and they would come to him then next for no doubt it's all about that about yesterday good god he would have fastened his door with the latch but he could not lift his hand besides it would be useless terror gripped his heart like ice tortured him and numbed him but at last all this uproar after continuing about ten minutes began gradually to subside the landlady was moaning and groaning ilya petrovitch was still uttering threats and curses but at last he too seemed to be silent and now he could not be heard can he have gone away good lord yes and now the landlady is going too still weeping and moaning and then her door slammed now the crowd was going from the stairs to their rooms exclaiming disputing calling to one another raising their voices to a shout dropping them to a whisper there must have been numbers of them almost all the inmates of the block but good god how could it be and why why had he come here raskolnikov sank worn out on the sofa but could not close his eyes he lay for half an hour in such anguish such an intolerable sensation of infinite terror as he had never experienced before suddenly a bright light flashed into his room nastasya came in with a candle and a plate of soup looking at him carefully and ascertaining that he was not asleep she set the candle on the table and began to lay out what she had brought bread salt a plate a spoon you've eaten nothing since yesterday i warrant you've been trudging about all day and you're shaking with fever nastasya what were they beating the landlady for she looked intently at him who beat the landlady just now half an hour ago ilya petrovitch the assistant superintendent on the stairs why was he ill-treating her like that and why was he here nastasya scrutinized him silent and frowning and her scrutiny lasted a long time he felt uneasy even frightened at her searching eyes nastasya why don't you speak he said timidly at last in a weak voice it's the blood she answered at last softly as though speaking to herself blood what blood he muttered growing white and turning towards the wall nastasya still looked at him without speaking nobody has been beating the landlady she declared at last in a firm resolute voice he gazed at her hardly able to breathe i heard it myself i was not asleep i was sitting up he said still more timidly i listened a long while the assistant superintendent came every one ran out onto the stairs from all the flats no one has been here that's the blood crying in your ears when there's no outlet for it and it gets clotted you begin fancying things will you eat something he made no answer nastasya still stood over him watching him give me something to drink nastasya she went downstairs and returned with a white earthenware jug of water he remembered only swallowing one sip of the cold water and spilling some on his neck then followed forgetfulness end of part two chapter two recording by expatriate in bangor maine